0: And we're in the middle of a series where we're looking at the unique part that we have to play as followers of Jesus. How we, the body of Christ, the church, we're all gifted and shaped in ways that are different uh, to others who are around us. For some of us, our gifting uh, might be something that is astounding. You, know, you may be gifted with uh, discernment or, or words of knowledge, something that is, just comes out of the blue and surprises people. It could be that you're gifted in uh, administration and logistics and it just appears very mundane and boring. But anything that we do can be a spiritual gift when it's used to glorify God. Regardless of who we are or what we've been through or even where we're at now, we have a unique part to play in the church, in the, a unique part to play in the kingdom of God and in God's mission. We're gonna look at John 6. Um, It's gonna be a bit of a mixed bag talk tonight. Um, I know some people like a bit of intellectual rigor um, who wanna know about history and context and things like that, so I'll do a little bit of that. Uh, There'll be a little bit in there. I know some people uh, just want one thing to kinda take away and chew on through the week. Uh, So I've got one of those for you. Some people just want a practical thing that they can do uh, or work on. Uh, And I'm gonna spend a bit of time looking at one of those. Which means that most people will either be happy or everyone's going to be disappointed. So <laughs> we'll see how we go. Um, the good thing is that it's God who does the work in our hearts, right? It's not, it's not me. Um, so I'm confident that, that God can make the most out of anything good that I do say. Um, and God can use something completely unrelated um, to prompt movements in your heart, even if my sermon totally bombs. So it's okay. But how about we pray? Uh, Father, I I do ask that my sermon doesn't bomb, uh, that I don't get in the way of what you want to speak to your people today. Uh, Holy Spirit, keep us open um, to whatever it is that you're doing, Um, yeah, and and encourage us and challenge us as we need this afternoon. Amen. How has your week been? Have you had one of those weeks uh, that's been really positive, and you come to church feeling good, things are kicking along. You know, you've made some good decisions, you put in the work, things are all right. Or maybe you've had one of those weeks where it's been a bit rough. Um, Sickness or stress has got to you. Maybe it's been your fault. Maybe you did something and now you're reaping the consequences. Wherever you're at, I just want to say it's okay. Um, God sees you and he values you and he loves you. I've had a little bit of a rough week myself. Um, Some of it is my own fault, right? Decisions that I've made that haven't worked out for the best. Uh, I made a cup of coffee uh, the other day using some oat milk that I found in the cupboard, deep in the cupboard. Uh, It turned out it had been expired for about a year or so, and that didn't go so well. Uh, You'd think the lumpy bits are like the oats in the... Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that I did, though, was I I wasted time um, just on the internet Researching my current obsession when I could have been sleeping. And so that's had an effect on me. Uh, but then there's other things that have happened that are just life. Like I went out to catch up with some old friends from college and I uh, went to go home and the car didn't want to start. Um, and eventually it just, it, <laughs> I even ran for the train to get the train home and it left as I got to the top of the stairs. And I don't run, <laughs> not since I broke my ankle anyway. I didn't run before that, let's be honest. But, so the result of that was a, was a rescue mission for Skye and the kids in the middle of the night. And we got home about 3 o'clock. So I don't feel like I have much to bring to the table today. We'll see how it goes next week when I preach it in the morning. Maybe I'll have to do a different intro. But at the moment, I feel like I don't have much to offer. Can you relate to that? Do you ever feel like you don't have much to bring to the table? And if you do, you aren't alone, right? A lot of us who get up here to speak feel like that a lot of the time, that we don't have much to offer. And to be honest, the people who do get up and feel like they've got everything, maybe they're the ones who shouldn't be up here. And I praise God for the people, you know, those rare and beautiful souls who operate from a place of such deep faith, that they are more aware of God than themselves. Isn't that beautiful when you see that? The good news of Jesus, though, is that we don't have to have something to bring. And what little we do bring, God can multiply beyond what makes sense. So we're going to have a little dig into our passage. Uh, If you're not familiar with the book, John is one of the four biographical accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. Uh, The most likely author is the name John, um, the the one who the book's named for. Uh, They think uh, the son of Zebedee, one of Jesus' disciples, so an actual eyewitness to everything that's recorded. Through the book... um, Part of the, or like the reason that he's written it is to explore... Um, well, he's focusing in on the appearance of the Son of God in human history. So Jesus coming into our, uh, into our world. And he explores two important facets of, of Jesus' appearance. Um, revelation and redemption. Jesus revealing the Father to the world and, and Jesus redeeming the world to the Father. Um, he makes it clear in John 20... Um, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so as we look at the unique part that we have to play, we're exploring some of what it means to have life in Jesus' name, some of what it means to be uh, one of his followers. The passage today, the 5K feeding, um, it reveals a bit more of who Jesus is. It happens on the shore of uh, Galilee. The sea around the time of the Jewish Passover festival. I found out this week that that's usually in March or April. uh, And it's a bit like Easter in that it moves around the calendar because it follows uh, the lunar calendar. So the date's a little different every year. Galilee itself is a poor area. Um, Lots of fishermen and farmers and and people who are really heavily taxed. So I imagine that one of the things that would have drawn the crowds to Jesus was the fact that he had compassion for them. That's something that leaders just didn't do in those days. And they don't do all that often these days sometimes. But they also would have been drawn in by his reputation as a healer. And if you're poor and you're working with your hands, you're going to need someone who can help you when, when things are sick or broken. And as John writes, he's actually connecting um, this story back with the original Passover and the exodus of uh, Israel from, uh, from Egypt. If you take the story that's in uh, Numbers chapter 11 and the story in John chapter 6 and you put them together you'll find a whole bunch of parallels. Uh, In Numbers Moses uh, is leading God's people through the sea uh, and you also see God feeding the Israelites with manna which is a type of bread in the wilderness. In John 6 you've got Jesus um, feeding the people in a bit of wilderness um, feeding them a bread that you could say is heavenly bread. Um, And then in the very next part of the passage, he he does the whole walking on water miracle. So these are miracles that are really symbolic of God preserving his people and sustaining his people. A bit later on in the chapter, Jesus uh, explains the meaning behind the miracle. And that's where he really reveals who he is, or the book reveals him uh, as the bread of life, the provider and the sustainer. The miracle itself is really impressive, right? 5,000 men, that means maybe double or triple that when you count the women and children. All provided with enough food to fill them and to leave 12 baskets full of leftovers, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. But the big thing is not the miracle so much as what... Jesus offers, which is something beyond normal food, because Jesus is offering something eternal. He's showing that He is the source of life. He is the one who shows the way back to the Father, who brings us back into relationship with God. So it's not the bread that's actually important, it's the giver of the bread. And I think the crowd realized that. I mean, in 14 and 15, they recognized Jesus as the prophet, the Messiah. God sent one coming into the world, and they want to make him king, whether he wants to be or not. I think there's a bit of a beautiful irony in the fact that it's the lowly and the poor and the struggling who are the ones who actually see Jesus for who he is. They're a little off the mark, but the Pharisees and the leaders and even his disciples, the ones who should get it, they don't. So if you're someone who enjoys digging into details, there's some, there's some stuff to mull over this week. I encourage you to revisit the passage and, and go back to Numbers 11. And as you do that, think about what that might mean to you. The idea that Jesus is the bread of life, the one who provides and sustains. And, and how does that affect you in your everyday life? For those who just want one thing to chew on, I'm going to pull it out of verse 9. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how, will they, how far will they go among so many? So the disciples don't have or at least don't want to use six months worth of wages to buy enough food to just give a little mouthful to each person. I mean, the reality is that's not, never going to go well, is it? And it, pragmatically, it, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. And so they need another solution. They, they look around and they find this boy who's got some food. But it's not a whole lot of it. It's definitely not enough to feed a cast of thousands. So in our story, the disciples don't bring much to the table, do they? I mean, they didn't even bring the loaves and fish. They had to flog some poor kid's lunch. But think about it for a moment. Did Jesus need what they brought to do what he did? I don't think he did. I mean, it's it's impossible to... like. It would be hard just to feed this row with a couple of little barley loaves and and fish, let alone the room, let alone thousands and thousands of people. That's impossible, right? And if he can do impossible, then it's not that much harder to feed them from nothing, particularly when he created the universe from nothing, right? Back at the very beginning of the gospel, I think it's my favourite intro to a book. In the beginning was the word, and that's Jesus. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. He didn't need the stuff that they brought. So it doesn't matter what you bring to the table. It doesn't matter whether you have a lot to offer or whether you have nothing to offer. Jesus doesn't need anything from us. And yet, He partners with us and He helps us to use what we do have to work with him in the work that he's doing in the world. He didn't need the food that the disciples brought, um, but he took what they did offer and he multiplied it beyond belief. So no matter what you're gifting, no matter how you feel about what you bring to the table, no matter how much you might um, compare yourself to others and, and see yourself as lacking, it doesn't matter. Jesus invites you to partner with him in his work of bringing heaven to earth. You don't have to bring a lot. So, there's something to chew over this week. If you want some questions to go along with it, I got you. Uh, what are your loaves and fish? What has God gifted you with? Um, from little things, big things grow. That old, uh, that old line from a song Where have you seen God take a little and turn it into a lot, in your life or in someone else's life? And then, how can you make space in your life to sit with God, ask Him to show you what He is doing and where you can be part of what He's doing? In the world around you, oh, and then do it. <clears throat> For those who want the practical stuff, uh, we're going to have a look at the shape tool. Now, Steve, uh, men- Steve Krimer mentioned it last week, and if you read your email on Friday, uh, you would have heard a bit more about it. Um, and the encouragement is to give it a go. It's a tool developed by Saddleback uh, to make uh, to help their people understand their own unique shape, how God has gifted them, how they can use those giftings to serve God as well. Behind all of this is the understanding that followers of Jesus are called to God, um, they are gifted by God, they are equipped, and that's something that we can do together as church, and we are sent into the world to make disciples. And this is all of us, right? This is all of us who claim uh, to be Followers of Jesus, not just the ones who are up on stage, not just the ones who are paid. And the shape tool is helpful because it's something that we can use to understand where we fit a bit better. Now, as Steve mentioned in his email, the best thing to do uh, for working out your gifting is to spend time with God. And as well as that, to spend time with people, with other Christians who know you well. Uh, those two things are probably the most valuable that you can do to to understand how God might have gifted you. Um, but these tools can be useful as well. They're just not perfect, and none of them make up for not spending time with God and others. So I'm going to run through the SHAPE acronym. I uh, borrowed these graphics um, from disciple.org.au. as a resource that I found on there um, all about SHAPE. Uh, it's 70 pages long, so I haven't read all of it, so I'm not going to give it to you Josh, yet. But if I can get through it, I'll, uh, I'll share it around because it's pretty good. Uh, So the S is for shape. No, it's not. It's for spiritual gifts. I can't. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, So Steve preached on this last week, um, so I'm not going to spend much time on this one. Uh, If you didn't catch his sermon last week, it's up on YouTube. Um, It's worth a watch. I love that uh, version of 1 Corinthians 12 there. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. God blesses Here's people with gifts that he works for as we partner with him. Um, This slide talks about building up uh, the body of Christ. That's not just helping the local church, right? It extends far wider than that. Um, Whether whether it's something that you, you know, the way that you are and the way that you love in your neighbourhood or going overseas to do cross-cultural mission, anything like that. Anything that is being and bringing the good news. um, That's what we're talking about. The H is for heart not for shape, (laughs) almost did it again. So our heart, um, desire, hope, interests, ambitions, dreams, affections, all that kind of stuff, it comes from our heart and we're all different. I mean, just think about the things that catch our attention and our interests. Like I love cars and watches and fidgets and gadgets of all type. Um, Sky likes running, which is insane, and surfing, which is less insane. some people are obsessed with watching sports ball on the TV or at the ground of sports ballness. We all care about different things. Some people love Lego. Some people love movies. Are there things that excite you when it comes to serving God? Things that you can't wait to get back into? Every time I chat to Sophie Bray, um, she heads up kids club for us on a Thursday. Uh, sorry, on a Friday afternoon. And she's excited to be there it blows me away every time because um, i'm excited to drop my kids off <laughs> she's passionate about these kids she loves them she loves talking about jesus with them her heart is so in that ministry it's just a good fit what are you passionate about is there a role that you just wish you could take up or is the people, or or some area in society, or in the church, that you just wish you could be involved. Is there a cause that stirs you to action? And where do these passions intersect with your spiritual gifts? As you think about that, as you work on that, um, is there something that God might be calling you to follow Him into? The A is for abilities. These are the things that you're good at, you know, like um, natural or learned talents. Um, They're not necessarily spiritual in nature, but, um, I mean, everything has a spiritual aspect when it's done for God, right? Uh, There's that verse, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You might be good on the tools. You might be at home behind a computer. You might be able to sing. You might be an amazing gardener. Even if you don't think that you have something that you're good at, the reality is that you will be good at something. You might just not recognize it, or you might not have discovered it yet. Apparently, studies are showing that the average person, whatever that means, um, has between five and 700 different skills. Sounds crazy, but think about it. Your, your abilities or your skills, they don't have to be spectacular. If you have the capacity to scoop instant coffee into a, a cup of hot water without anyone getting burnt, you have the ability to make coffee. That might not sound very exciting, but that can mean the world to someone. And if you struggle with the teaspoon, you can make tea with a tea bag. If you have the capacity to bend down and pick something up off the ground, you have the ability to clean up after, my ch- after not my children, the people who might leave stuff around the place. That might not sound very exciting, but it's still something that, that God can use, that you can use. You could be physically handicapped but have the capacity to talk to people that you don't know very well and you have the ability to be welcoming. I think outside of being catatonic or in a coma, I can't think of anyone who wouldn't have some kind of ability in something that can be used. Sometimes it's just a little harder to find. So what are you able to do? What's something that you find pretty easy that other people might not? And is there a way that you could use that for God? P is for personality. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're a bit different. Um, Not everyone's the same. Some people are quiet and shy, other people are loud and bold. You've got the introverts, the extroverts, and now the ambiverts. You've got people who are logical, you've got people who are emotional, you've got people who are creative, you've got people who are all three at the same time. It could be pragmatic or funny or serious. Your personality is the part of you that affects how you think and feel and behave. And that's why we react differently in situations that might be similar. There are heaps of personality tests and profiles and models that can help you understand yourself a bit better. Just be aware that they're another imperfect tool, right? Um, And the other thing is they should never be used to box you or anyone else. um, And they shouldn't be used to restrict you or anyone else, right? The best idea is to use these tools to help you understand how you think and feel and behave and then use that knowledge for personal growth. There's one called the Big Five, uh, five major personality traits um, that apparently everyone has. And you can take a Big Five test uh, on the the internet and that could be one that you could use to understand a bit more about how you function. It's relatively widely uh, accepted as being not too crazy. (laughs) These things are often done better with other people, um, particularly someone who knows you reasonably well and, and can help you navigate some of the answers that you might not like in some of these tests, uh, because sometimes there's things that come up that might be a bit confronting, or something that you take one way, but is actually can be something else. Um, but the thing is, God has made us all different, right? And that's a good thing. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ, and just like walking on your feet is mostly easier than walking on your hands, um, if you find the place that is more natural for you, then, it, then it's an easier fit than trying to do something that doesn't fit with who you are. The last one is experiences. Everyone's life experience is different, right? You know, even siblings that grow up together uh, in a close family, they'll have slightly different perspectives and takes on things. Um, I know that the way that I interact with each of my kids is a little bit different because they're not all the same, right? Uh, And that's even before you take into into account school and friends and activities and interests that that just make people more and more different. That's part of what shapes us, the things that we've been through, and particularly the hard things that we've been through. They shape us a lot. And it's often these hard things that God does amazing good through you'll find that I can relate to some people that you might not be able to and, and there'll be people that you all can relate to that I can't relate to as well. I mean, if you took me and put me in a, in a small country town over here, I'd really struggle because I've never lived in the bush. I've never lived that remote. I don't know anything about cows or whatever else it is that you do out west. But if you take my mate who grew up on the land outside of Armidale and, he, and you put him in that small country town, he'd fit in pretty well, right? Because his life experiences have shaped who he is. And you can relate. But if you take that guy and put him in the CBD, he's going to get real lost. And he won't understand. He'll, he's pretty smart. he learned. But you can see how his experiences fit o- easily over here and, and not so easily over here. Um, you take someone from who's been in the city in another city, even in another country, and they'll find it easier to, to fit in and connect into the city. My own experiences with, with mental health and uh, things like that help me to relate to people who are going through some of those struggles. A recovered alcoholic can relate to someone who is struggling with addiction in a way that someone who hasn't will never be able to understand. Uh, someone who's been abused can better understand other survivors. So good or hard, our life experiences are part of the unique shape that we take, and they, they give us a unique part to play. Believe it or not, sometimes the pastor isn't always the best person to connect with everyone in church. We are all the body of Christ. We are all the church. We work together to be the church. So there's something practical to go and do. Go and invest some time into understanding your shape. You can check out freeshapetest.com uh, or check your emails if you haven't read them. Uh, And there's that big resource that I found, Um, once I go through it, I'll I'll try and send that around as well. Uh, If you're in a life group, maybe you can encourage your life group to to spend some time working through this together one night. Uh, If you don't have a group, uh, let someone on the pastoral team know and, and we'll try and hook you up. Maybe you could find one or two people who you trust and you could sit down and do this stuff together and talk about it. Setting time aside to intentionally consider who you are and how God has made you. It's just a valuable thing for us to be doing as followers of Jesus. Even if you've done it before, um, it's worth doing again if it wasn't really recently because we change as we grow and we go through different life things. So we did a bit of digging into John 6. Um, If that's your thing, go and read some more stuff. There's, there's commentaries and things on the internet. There's all kinds of resources. Dig into it and see if God challenges you or encourages you through it. Got a bite to chew on through the week if that's your thing. Um, how God can take the little that we might bring and multiply it and use it. We're talking about a shape tool. Um, we're leading up, I mentioned earlier, this ministry fair that we're leading into. Uh, We want you to know about what's going on. We want you to think and pray and talk and and consider how maybe you can get invested. And so as as a pastoral team, we we would love it if if you like, even if you don't want to do the shape thing, if that's too weird for you, that's okay. But if you want to spend some time with God and friends thinking and praying about your gifting, your capacity, your capability, and think about maybe if there's something here that you could get involved in. Because we genuinely do have unique things that we can do. God has made you. okay. You are unique. You are precious. You are loved by God. You are gifted and you have been shaped in ways that are going to make you a little bit different to the person you're sitting next to. And there are unique things that you can do with God that others might not be able to do the same. So if nothing else, remember that. And spend time with God, asking him who you are how he's shaped you and where he wants you to be partnering with him to bring heaven on earth let me pray father i thank you uh, that we're all different that you've made us uh, in your image but you've made us with variety different giftings and abilities and personalities and all of that god i thank you that uh, church doesn't have to just all look the same I pray that you would help us to understand ourselves better uh, and understand and be open to where you might be calling us uh, so that we can be part of your work that you're doing here in our community, in the world around us. Yeah, God, please uh, work in us and work through us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.